0: Why do people play games? If you say My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, rescuers. Today, I'm diving headfirst into an experimental approach which seeks to open up discussion. Really trying to get some discussion around some pretty big questions, you know, relating to our tabletop roleplaying game, Passion. The first thing to say is that today's question was chosen simply as a way of piloting the format. We are hoping that listeners will call in and suggest new and better questions for our panel to answer. What's that, I hear you ask? A panel? Yes. Today, I want to begin what we hope will become a once-per-month episode featuring three different voices answering the same big question. The panel... Consists of Frank Turfler from Frank T's liner notes, Paris Conti, formerly of the Wild Eye podcast, and myself. This is Season 5, Episode 3 Three Voices Why Do People Play Games? Rescue! Paris Conti is a gaming philosopher who wants to explore games from many different angles and provoke you to think about how to get more from your own hobby. He's also one of my awesome patrons. Then anyway, enough of me. Why do people play games,
1: Paris? Why do people play role-playing games? Man, we certainly like to make things easy on ourselves by asking the easy questions straight off the bat. G'day, my name's Paris. I'm from Geelong, Australia, which is the southeastern part of our continent. If you want to know more about me, there is a podcast done by Gaming with Gage, which has an interview with me, which talks about all the stuff that I do with role-playing games in a professional sense as a therapeutic game facilitator. So I'm not going to bore you with that. Plus, I don't have a lot of time. And as I pointed out, this is a damn big question. So I'll ask Shay to put a link to that podcast in the show notes. Speaking of Shay, I'd like to first of all say thank you for allowing me to add my voice on his show, his platform. That's a that's a huge thing to do when you think about it. Shay's given his heart and soul to this program and to allow myself and Frank to have our voices added to his even by a small part, that's that's a big ask. And um, so thank you very much, Shay. Right, let's get to it. Why do people play role-playing games? Man, that's tough. Ah, how do I go about this? So I know why I play role-playing games, or at least I do now. If you'd asked me probably five years ago, the only answer that I could have given you really was, well, I play role-playing games because they're fun. I love to tell stories. I love to see my friends have fun and enjoy... What I present as a game master. I can only really say that because I don't get a lot of chance to play as a player. In fact, yeah, I can't think of the last time I really played as a player. Now that I use role-playing games in a therapeutic setting, I've had to really look at why people role-play. So I guess I've come at the question from the other end where I've really looked at how can role-playing games help others. This was a question I was forced to ask as opposed to a question that popped into my head and then felt I needed to explore. So the first time I brought role-playing games into a therapy session, it was to help a bunch of individuals who were struggling with social isolation. These young people had socially isolated themselves because of past trauma, This trauma created mental health challenges such as anxiety and depression. The other challenge that these individuals have is that they all have autism. So for those of you that don't know what autism is or how it affects individuals, one of the things that people with autism have to contend with is not understanding other people. And by that, I mean that they they can understand the words, they can understand the language, but for many people on the spectrum, understanding things like the tone the words are used with, body language, motivation of action, that kind of thing, they don't pick up on these cues that that most people just pick up instinctively or actually through learned response. But for now, it's, it's very instinctual. So, can you imagine living in a world where you do not understand the people around you or why they do the things that they do? This would create very difficult social situations where you may not act appropriately because you haven't understood the social cues, or you misunderstand what people are telling you, and then that creates a new social problem. So it's, it's quite easy to see why people would isolate themselves in this instance. So what happened was when I introduced role-playing games as a social activity, what I began to see was that these individuals suddenly found themselves in an environment where they could explore human interaction in a way they never could before, in complete safety, without judgment, and via the protection of a player character avatar. In fact, one of the things that fascinated me the most was that no matter how well I presented dragons, goblins, and other menacing things for them to fight against, they were just as enthralled by my blacksmith and my barmaid and my town crier and the farmer. And we're, we're getting as much joy out of discovering new ways to not only communicate, but to understand communication. Of course, I would be at the other end of the table doing my silly voices and, and um, putting on my accents and jumping around and, and all the things that I do when I GM. I'm, I'm very... Uh, vocal. I'm very, uh, I act a lot. So my hands are moving, everything's going. And for them, this created an opportunity to test, to test out all the things that they desperately wanted to ask, but felt too afraid to do so. At this point, you're probably asking yourself, look, Paris, this is a fascinating story, but what has that got to do with your original question about why People role play, understanding that in this particular instance there is therapeutic benefit and the people that are playing are developing themselves. But how does that relate to me? Well, I believe that that's exactly what we're all doing when we play a role playing game. Sure, we're all having fun, but that's how we learnt everything when we were children. We learnt through play and we learnt through using our imagination and exploring concepts and testing boundaries and expanding our ideas. And as we get older, it is my belief anyway, that those opportunities for development through play become limited. Oh, sure, we've got plenty of opportunities to play, but they tend to be more scripted, more sanitized. So I would argue that for the majority of adults and older youth, their form of play and entertainment comes through video games, TV, movies, that kind of stuff. And there's not a great deal of interaction with that. Now, I'm sure you're yelling at your radio right now. So oh, your radio. God, how old do I sound? Sorry, your car stereo. And saying, Paris, I, I can interact with a computer game, either it's via a controller or a mouse or a keyboard. And while you can, the problem with that being is that it's prescript. Even in an open world like an MMO, you can only go wherever someone programmed it, you can only interact with characters that someone has programmed, and you can only play the type of characters that someone has programmed. So you don't get a lot of choice. Whereas a role-playing game, the sky's the limit. There are no boundaries. You can create any type of player character that you want. You can interact with anything that can be imagined. You can travel anywhere that imagination can dictate. And by doing that, we have ability to refine our own self identity we get to take those things that give us stress or struggle within our real lives such as at work or interacting with other people and we can actually process that and work through it in a role playing setting the chances are the majority of us are never doing this on a conscious level but i would argue that not only are our player characters at least in part a reflection of us i don't think we can ever take us out of the player character no matter how diverse we make them, everything that we do when we interact in a role-playing game is some form of expressionist exploration. And I would argue too that if you were to sit back and think about the games that you used to play in a role-playing game when you were younger compared to the games that you're playing now, you will find that in all likelihood they have matured. The concepts that you explored as a youth playing role-playing games, or as a younger person, were part of your exploration of your identity back then, whereas the games today that you're playing are more mature or at least more relatable to where you are in your stage of life right now. And so those concepts that you're exploring are more relevant to you and help shape who you are today. What I'm hoping is that you don't walk away from my particular segment of this podcast thinking, oh man, my gaming's now suddenly become therapy or self-development. Maybe I don't want to be playing role-playing games anymore. I hope that isn't the case. And the fact is that this is how we learn. This is what being a human is. And the fact that you've gravitated to role playing games means that you are, in part, still wanting to develop who you are. At least that's what I'm arguing. The question will be is where we take this concept next. So, if we understand this element of role playing, how does this then aid us be better gamers? Well, I guess this is the underpinning of what Shay, Frank, and I are trying to achieve here with this segment of the podcast. The questions that we present, or the questions that you'll send us to answer. In a sense, we're not trying to give definitive answers to, which sounds kind of counterintuitive. I mean, if you ask me a question, surely you want an answer. Our goal here is to provide thought or provoke thought is probably the better term. The fact is that my table is very different to yours as it is to Shay's as it is to Frank's. And there are no definitive answers to any component of role-playing games because they're played by very individual people. Our goal, or at least mine, is to provide enough food for thought that it helps you examine what you guys do at the table, whether it's as a GM or a, as a player, and then utilize that information to improve your games. So, in this instance, with this very brief information that I've given you here, what I'm essentially saying is that an element of your game is self-development and so when you present as the player or as the GM, if we have a greater understanding of that, at least in part, when we present ourselves at the table or create an adventure then our games can become more meaningful and thereby more enjoyable because they're hitting those points that we're actually trying to achieve and that's essentially what I'm arguing with this bit here. So that's enough of my rambling for now. I can't wait to hear what Frank and Shay have to say on the topic of why we role play and how that reflects against what I've stated today. But more to the point, I can't wait to hear your responses and the questions that you will present us to talk about in the future. So there's nothing left for me to say, but
0: uru and talk to you next time. This is Paris signing out. Frank Turfler is a game designer, artist and father who plays RPGs with his family. He has a passion for bringing new players into the hobby, especially the next generation. Frank wants all of us delving deeper into the subtleties of the games we play, searching for insight that will not only help pass his passion onto his kids, but also teach and coach parents and other adults how to play RPGs with their own children. So Frank, why do we play
2: games? Why do we play role-playing games? Wow. I must have started and restarted to answer this question at least five or six times now. And each time, I come up with a very similar answer. For me, plain and simple, escapism. There is no other activity like role-playing games. There's no other form of entertainment. Not movies, not books, not TV, not even RPG video games. I don't know of any other medium that allows you to become the main character in your own story. To become the superhero, the rogue adventurer, the super spy... I mean, the list goes on. You could watch James Bond... or you could be James Bond. That's the difference for me. I mean, I don't know that I would ever... not want to play role-playing games. When I first started... there was a kind of magic... in role-playing games... that didn't exist in any game. In fact... I don't think it really existed in any other activity that I was involved in. I really like the idea of leaving the real world and my daily cares behind me and becoming someone else for a time. I can for sure say that when I started playing RPGs, the idea of becoming a fantasy character like the ones I had read about in books and seen in movies and on TV, was incredibly appealing to me. Role-playing games have also been a way for me to connect socially. I think it's human nature to play games as a social component to everyday life. And RPGs really require that you be social, Not only is social activity or social interaction required in gameplay, whether it's social interaction of your characters with other player characters or with NPCs and or monsters, but there's also social interaction of the players with each other. RPGs tend to be cooperative in nature, and because of that, it's essential that the players communicate with each other. So yeah, I guess for me, RPGs are not just a form of escapism, they're also a form of social activity. And today, given that kids, home life, and work tend to really use up most of the time that was available for social activities, playing rpgs and scheduling some sort of regular game gives me the opportunity to be intentionally social the third reason why i play role-playing games is that my primary group of gamers is my family mostly my younger kids Originally, when I started playing, I wanted to pass on role-playing games to my kids. I had started playing with two of my now adult daughters when they were 17 and 15, but we really didn't get a chance to do much gaming before their interests moved on to other things. When my oldest son was about seven we would sit down and have these gladiator-like encounters. He would pick out monsters and uh, the figures that I had, and he would put the minis out, and then he would see if he could defeat them. I didn't realize until later that combat is probably the best way to introduce new players to the rules of your typical adventure-style RPG. So when he was seven, he started playing these gladiator style adventure games, but he also decided that he was going to write his own adventure, which was a blast. I helped him out with editing the adventure into something that was readable as well as doing illustrations and some maps for him. But the ideas were all his. After we were finished, we published the adventure, which was a very exciting thing for both of us. What I also discovered during this process of playing games and then teaching my son how to create an adventure was that we were connecting. We were connecting in a way that we probably wouldn't otherwise connect. And then, about four years ago my wife and I decided that we were going to foster and adopt some kids. And I wanted to share that same experience that I had with my son, with the new children in my life and pass along my love for role-playing games, and all the things that it brought me, besides the joy of playing, all of the intangible things that you learn as a result of role-playing games. Since then, I've also discovered that RPGs are therapy. And since my new children, my adopted children, have unfortunately been exposed to trauma and also have some other challenges such as ADD and autism, there's an additional benefit to playing games with them. I'm really hoping that through the efforts of Paris, Che, and myself digging into some of these tougher questions about gaming, that there would be some new revelation that I might gain. Something that would help me to continue to play better games with my kids and my friends. I really want to have purpose in what I'm doing and in using what little time that I have wisely and effectively. (laughs)
0: Why do people play games? I don't know. The first thing that came to mind when I thought about this was an article by the Angry GM, which you can find on angrygm.com called Gaming Fun Part 1, The 8 Kinds of Fun. I think I play for some very simple reasons, really. And I want to kind of outline why I play and then talk about the 8 kinds of fun that... I kind of got pointed to by the Angry GM, which come from the MDA paper on gaming theory. First of all, I want to play in a fantasy world, an imaginary world. I play for fantasy. And I don't just mean like classical fantasy as in medieval kind of you know low tech. I mean something fantastic. Fantasy is the pleasure you get from kind of losing yourself in an imaginary world, pretending that you're something that you're not. It's escapism, like Frank said, and... But for me it's more than that, it's also immersion It's um, wanting to become something different And it's a very delicate thing, it's a very difficult thing And it's all about suspension of belief I think the second thing that I crave in a game is challenge I like a series of obstacles um, And I like foes that I can defeat, basically And I want to test myself, and I want to test my character, and I want to win. Um, so I love stuff like investigations and puzzles. Um, I love hunts and fights, I guess, to some degree, and also negotiation and all that kind of stuff. People often make fun of me because they think of me as a bit of a munchkinny, kind of optimizy kind of guy who doesn't really want to role play. I just want to roll dice. Um, but actually... <laughs> it's a really quite harmful view in my in my opinion but of course then I'm on the receiving end of that kind of criticism so I guess I would be touchy about it look for me i just want to overcome a fair obstacle and i want to bring you know everything i've got to that obstacle the third thing for me is discovery discovery is about learning and exploring new things i like to uncover things i like to discover things i like to go through uncharted territory that's why i like exploration games and i love kind of discovering about the world that i'm playing in the history of it uh, maybe the nature of the gods or various mysteries that need uncovering and i want to learn and understand everything there can be about that particular world which is why i guess like one-shot games don't really cut it for me um, because i never get deep enough i want to go play for a long period and dig deep it's about the thrill that comes from really confronting you know the realities and i say that with big invert commas the realities of a fantasy world you know there should be moral issues for me to ch- deal with there should be social quandaries that'll develop over time It's never going to happen in just a session or two, but I want to discover. I want to dig, and yeah, you've got to give me the space to explore. Now, I've talked about the three that are big on my list, but the eight kind of reasons why people play, I think, any game, they're listed as following. There's sensory pleasure, which really is about kind of getting pleasure from the things that we see, hear, touch, taste, smell. Okay, and a lot of people that stuff like the physical books, the art, the dice, the music, the maps, the diagrams, the miniatures, the terrain, the props, the list is endless. Sensory pleasure. Secondly, fantasy, which I've touched on, you know, diving into an imaginary world and becoming your character. Thirdly, narrative. Narrative seekers, they really take pleasure from experiencing a really well-told story as it unfolds, and for them, they want to tell the story. They um, also want to kind of make sure that story has a beginning, a middle, and an ending. It has an incitement and conflict and climax and resolution and the whole shebang of narrative. And that's not everyone's cup of tea. But it is a lot of people's cup of tea, especially when it comes to role-playing games. I've mentioned challenge, you know, a series of obstacles to overcome a foes to be defeated. That's the fourth thing that people seek. The fifth could be fellowship. And that's just simply getting together for social interaction and cooperation. I guess this is what Frank likes most about the games, really. camaraderie, social interaction, working together, achieving something as a team. By the way, fellowship seekers are going to hate the evil character who wants to break the group. Sixth, discovery, which I've talked about again. You know, finding, digging, discovering, going deeper into the world, across the map, whatever. Number seven, expression. It's a big one, especially in role-playing games. I think a lot of people in the role-playing community, they they desire a creation that's unique to them. It says something about who you are, what you believe. It's about imposing your creative will on the world around you. And I think right now, the angry GM is quite right when he says this is probably the trending thing that people want from their hobby. The problem is, not everyone's into that. And the second thing is that while you're happily creating, what about the other people around the table? So expression is big and important and great, and I'm not in the slightest bit down on it personally, but you have to remember that other people are at the table for different reasons. Number eight is a weird one. It's called submission. And this is, I guess, the escapism thing. The... Pleasure you get from turning off your brain and losing yourself in something that you don't really have to think about too hard. And I guess this is what a lot of people who play computer games are into. And I also think this is a lot of what a lot of people who play relatively straightforward role-playing games are into, especially quite finite games. I can see the go down a dungeon, kick in the door, kill all the monsters, nickel the treasure as a pretty low stress easy to play simple straightforward games simple straightforward goals kind of things and there's plenty of room there for you to goof around have a laugh relax and unwind which is what a lot of people want so there you go eight reasons why people play games which comes from a sort of sciencey thing and there they are again number one sensory pleasure two fantasy three narrative Four challenge, five fellowship, six discovery, seven expression, and eight submission. There you go. Don't know what else I'm going to say about that. Game on.
3: Hey, Jay, Jason here. Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So, the infinite game and one-shots. So I want to call to defend the one-shot, and and I think words are enemy here to some degree, right? So when I say one-shot, like especially like in Barbarian's Lamoria, yeah, it was sold as a one-time thing. I will agree with that, but to me, Barbarian's Lamoria, and definitely with your group, if you guys wanted to do some or all of you wanted to, you know, maybe it's a a series of loosely connected adventures, right? So I don't view Barbarians as a game, as a campaign game, per se, because the way you get experiences, you give away all your wealth, you know? And I feel like Conan. Conan's sporadic stories kind of, they kind of pierce together, piece together. The other reason for, quote-unquote, one-shots or not, so at the end of your episode you said something interesting. You talked about, instead of trying to explore different systems, and instead of you know, doing the different worlds, just do one world. And I think the reason for that is the same reason we don't just read one series of novels. Right? We read different novels by different authors, we watch different TV shows, or watch different movies. We want that variety. And even you go back to the originators of the hobby, they didn't only ever play Blackmore. Arneson also played Napoleonics. He played Naval War games. You know, the early D&D crowd played, you know, TSR crowd played D&D and played Metamorphosis Alpha and played Boot Hill, and and so they mixed it up. They didn't always just play one game in one world, because you know eventually that would get boring. Now to your point, and I will agree with you and defend you on this. When you're playing in the fantasy world, it could always be the same world with the same rules, right? So maybe we don't want to play fantasy. Every single game we ever play, play GURPS Fantasy in the world of, you know, in Shea World. But whenever, but so we might deviate and play Wild West here or there. We may play sci-fi here or there. We might play Conspiracy Game. But when we play Fantasy, we play it with GURPS in Shea World, with the characters we created in that world. So I'll agree with you that it makes more sense, as opposed to playing... Barbaron's Lemuria, and GURPS Dungeon Fantasy, and Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and, you know, bouncing between all these systems. So I don't think I totally disagree with you. I think there's a place for the one-shots and for the short games, because you want to see if you like certain systems, or like certain worlds, or like certain concepts. And I think, you know, you've fallen in, and you like GURPS, and, and I agree with you, I like GURPS too. But it, it, personally, if I was only going to play one system, like for Fantasy... I would do Barbarians of Lemuria because, to me, fantasy is sword and sorcery. But that's going to keep you from playing with elves and you know dwarves and things, hobbits and things like that. So it depends what you want, I guess. If you don't play high fantasy, I'd play a different game. So I think there's room for multiple things, and I think there's room to try different systems to find what you like. But I agree with you, for a long-term game, I think it makes sense to settle down on one system with one world. So I don't know that we're totally too far apart. But those are my incoherent thoughts. Hope they help.
0: Fab call in there from Jason of Nerds RPG Varietycast. And I don't think there's a lot I'm going to say in comment to it, really. I thought I'd share it because it seemed relevant to what we've just been talking about. Why do people play games? And I think it kind of echoes a lot of the things that we've just been talking about together. I would like to clarify one thing, though. And that is to say... When I did the episode, uh, Series 5, Episode 1, The Infinite Game, I said the following. I said I'm expressing the feeling and the view that I'd rather play in an infinite role-playing game than in a finite game. But in no way am I saying that a finite game is in any way a bad thing. Actually, it's plenty of time for it, and I just ran one this follow- weekend just gone. So, I don't know. I think it's very much what you want from the game. But what I was asking the question of and I guess it echoes my desire for discovery in a game, is can we go deeper? Can we play for longer than one game? And that's it for our pilot episode of Three Voices. Today we tried to answer the question, why do people play games? And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found some value in that. But what's more important is that you guys need to get in touch with we guys and tell us what questions do you want us to answer? What do we want to approach next month? Paris? Paris? Frank and I have a list of ideas, but you know what we'd rather do is answer your questions. So you know what you need to do? You need to hit the link in the show notes, go to Anchor and message us. Let us know what you think. Or you can send me an email at hello at rpgrescue.com. Or, you know, hit me up on social media. I'm on MeWe, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter. So, you know, all of the information for how to contact us is in the show notes. And that is about it. I'm well through my 30-minute limit, so a few thank yous. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Jason Connolly for calling in. And thank you especially and massively and hugely to Paris Conti and Frank Turfler for contributing to Three Voices. Goodbye. See you in a week. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on.